0: technology there it goes welcome back to the dropping in and surf show my name is Rob Case I'm a paddling technique coach located in the San Francisco Bay Area this episode we have a guest named Chris Mills he is the surf strength coach I've known Chris for almost a decade now and I've personally benefited from his strength and conditioning programs. Uh, professionally, he is a strength and conditioning coach, check practitioner, a corrective exercise and high-performance kinesiology practitioner. Uh, he's also a surf coach, a remedial therapist, and has an extensive education in the realms of performance, training, and rehab. Chris does one-on-one coaching, has a fantastic app online full of workouts and also exercises to improve your body and surfing and he also runs surf trips internationally if you're watching this on youtube or at the show page my apologies for the delayed video at the back half when chris is talking the internet was a bit spotty near the end but the audio itself is good it just kind of looks like a godzilla movie at times <laughs> so i hope you enjoy my conversation with chris mills i had about i had about two minutes of just looking at your your beautiful face like i haven't seen you in and forever other perplexed. Than yeah it's good it's like just staring at my out, computer screen i was trying to figure out the last time we actually spoke like I, it was i think you were in florida like we actually were actual
1: probably scene. words yeah other than email correspondence probably would have been florida it yeah. was years ago it was a number of years ago yeah
0: it For was sure. crazy because then you were like oh yeah i'm now in an australia and i'm like dude he's like carmen san Diego." was like where the hell is chris
1: Man, <laughs> yeah, i'm over it i need some stability in my life dude i just no, want a no. garden i want like a nice couch no. <laughs> like-
0: no. I got to live vicariously through you. You just keep going. You just keep going. Now you're in, uh, I don't even know where you are right now, but you're on a certain time zone. I'm like, all right, that's cool, man. Keep rolling with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going, I'm actually heading back to Australia in a couple of days, Oh, about a week or two. And then depending on the bubble, I'm actually tentatively moving to New Zealand for a while, so nice. we'll see, man. This side of the world, there's a lot of, as of everywhere in the world at the moment, there's a lot of, you can only plan ahead so far with an expectation those plans are about to get ruined via travel, so we'll see how it plays out.
0: Absolutely. New Zealand's a pretty good place to, to hunker down, though. I've, uh, I've been there on a surf trip, and they've, they've done the whole COVID thing pretty well.
1: Yeah, you know, like, uh, I don't want to talk to, you know, the COVID thing's a pretty polarizing topic, but New Zealand, it's been on my list for ages, and work-wise, um, I'm going to go do some work in a clinic in Auckland for a while, so in terms of work experience and clinical application and a bunch of, like, hands-on manual therapy and stuff, it'll be good in that well, regard, that's awesome. for sure. That's awesome. And there's there's waves, there's good surf, so...
0: Uh, is that so uh, you've got uh, that whole west side there and you can zip down to raglan if you wanted to
1: yeah i've heard like i've stayed i'm pretty oblivious to it to be honest so i know raglan was within like a two-ish hour drive or something like that but outside of that i haven't done much research on it other than we'll get there get work situated and then start putting the feelers out for some weekend surf trips dude it's
0: the coolest so when we went there we flew into Auckland we hung out there for a few days then we drove down to Raglan stayed there a week and then the swell that hit Raglan was wrapping around the island so we drove straight across to the east side Mm. and surfed it on the other side and you can do that within a few hours it's awesome man you're gonna love it and we didn't even touch that's cool man so you're gonna you're gonna dig it it's a whole adventure. I'm stoked. What's the uh, So did you get raglan
1: good? Did you get raglan like decent at all? Or? Yeah, we got it really good. Got what, it good. What type of wave is it, man? Because I've not even really, wa- I've seen photos of it. I haven't looked into it. I haven't watched videos. Like what type of, are there barrel sections on it? Or is it just like this big rippable wall? Like what is it?
0: It's mostly a rippable wall. They have barrel sections, but it's, it's not something that's super consequential. And now I'm going to yeah, get yeah. all this email about like, no bullshit. It's really good. Like <laughs> when we got it, when we got it, it wasn't consequential, but there were some, a few barrels, but it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was great. You're going to love it. Yeah, but but, it's but, but actually, and Stent Road, and I'm going to get more emails about calling out Stent Road, but Stent Road is like the lowers of, of, of New Zealand. Yeah. It's like a caught, like it has that kind of same kind of slow pace and you can rip it apart. And then there's just endless places to surf there that nobody surfs on. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. You're going
1: to love it. I just need to get some proper wetsuits. I need to get some proper wetsuits. Like I've never, it wasn't until I lived in WA that I ever, that was the first time I ever even wore a 4.3. And so, man, from what I hear, like, you know, I'm going to have to get myself a 5.4. I'm soft. I'm so soft (laughs) with cold water, man. I can't. Hoodies, I'm going to have to do booties the full gamut, man. Like taking a boiled water bag just to like put it down my wetsuit or something. But um, so, yeah, you'd kind of, you know, Clayton, Um, I hit Clayton up the other day and I was like, hey, man, I need, because there's this mid-length craze now, right? And so I've actually dabbled on mid-lengths over the last year or so, but I've been surfing a lot of Twin Fins. And I was like, I know Clayton recently, um, had shaped himself kind of a mid-length-ish um, twin fin. I was like, hey man, so I need something that can surf Raglan, other point breaks, maybe El Salvador point breaks kind of thing. Sort it out for me, dude. So I'll have that good to go in a few weeks prior to heading over there. So that's important that.
0: Yeah, I'm on that same kind of
1: kick. I've uh,
0: I talked to a local shipper here, got a mid-length and I took the middle fin out and I've just been riding it twin fin and he's going to kill me that I'm doing that. Like he, I, cause I was like, Oh yeah, can I ride this twin fin? And he's like, no, 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 you, you really shouldn't. And I was like, okay. And yeah. then I did it. And I was like, this thing's awesome as a twin fin. Like I was losing my head. It was wild. Um, and then I took the center fin out of my shortboard as well and started riding it. And this was all inspired mm. by some of what Clayton has, has talked about. So we're all kind of, influenced by the same stuff
1: (laughs) oh for sure man and i think you know the more you surf and like dial in your own boards and then it allows for kind of smarter exploration in a sense instead of just like oh it's the rage boom i'm grabbing it it's like well this is what i've surfed, and i know this would kind of work and then start you know you gotta like mix things up just to keep it fun but that's kind of I think the nature of it like you dial stuff in get it figured out you've got your performance boards for when you want to surf like that or the waves dictating that and then you've got you know your other boards for how you want to surf or how the wave is asking to be surfed it's like a set of you know a lot of people I think that aren't surfers they're like how many surf boards do you need and I just always relate it's like golf clubs you know like you just set. yeah
0: well that that kind of reminds me of how like one of the things that i've loved about your programs over the years because i 've you know we've followed each other for probably over a decade now, and i yeah one, yeah. I love all of your videos, you know I love all the shoulder stuff you do, mobility and strength, mm. and I told you about the mobility stuff like I felt like gumby after doing your program. it was awesome, so like one of the things i i 'm always curious about with you is like how do you you 're constantly evolving it like do you Go out for a surf, find like something that feels weird that like a deficiency of some sort, and then go back on dry land and workshop it and then incorporate it into the program like how does how does chris's mind work at taking it from you know idea to into the program
1: yeah, a lot of it is self-imposed exploration and injury and personal deficiencies and then thinking about it. And cause you know, nowadays, like I'm like, I spend a lot of time on a computer, man, you doing podcasts, that's a heap of editing. Like I know your background, you, you were an engineer previously, right? Like we, we, our bodies are also exposed to a lot of the common stuff that your average surfers are exposed to. So like a lot of my thought process, and just drive professionally for a long time has been how to fix me. Cause like I've got a laundry list of injuries and stuff and still have an interest in surfing better and better and better. And then also a lot of it nowadays too is kind of client-based. So it is a lot of kind of, I'm sure similar to you, man. Like you think, you almost think too much about things. And so it's trying to then distill that into something that's actionable. Cause at the end of the day, like somebody following me, they just want to open up their phone or their workout and be told what to do for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? So it's like how to take this world of information and rehab and courses I've taken and just trying to like distill it down into something that's actionable. So a lot of it too, is trial and error. So like, for example, I rant dude, sorry. I just get on tangents, but a couple years ago had a car accident. And so a whiplash, a nasty thing, but it came good. Like that original whiplash has kind of stayed with me over the years, as most people will can attest, like injuries, accumulation of them. And so I then whiplashed it again really badly at HTs maybe five or six years ago. And then again, like deal with it, get kind of nerve symptoms and stuff. And then more recently had a bout of a lot of really heavy surfing and a lot of pretty solid surf and at about like the six or seven day mark like consistently like five to eight foot surf and getting tired the thing i just took a couple too many like spills and flared it up again so then even that i then link up with my physio friend i'm like look this is it what are we doing we restructure some training And so me going through now, again, shoulder, cervical rehab stuff, all that me literally going through it will eventually downstream into programs. Yeah. No, that's awesome. It's it's like
0: you're streamlining, you know, somebody else having to go through that thing in, in distilling it down. And, and I think, one of the great things about what strength and conditioning does is it's, it's to prevent those types of things from happening again or at all, which is Mm. phenomenal, dude. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I tell, you know, I mean, that's it, right? Like what, what we ask ourselves to do from a movement perspective, it gets to the, I'm 38. I, I assume you're in that age demographic, like what we're asking our bodies to do surf wise, will take a vested effort to keep ourselves capable. And that's it. You know? Yeah. That's, that's
0: what we gotta do. I dude, I I don't think a surfer has any excuse not to succeed when they take one of your programs, other than if they just don't do it. You know what I mean? Like what sure. would you what's like the big biggest excuse you get from surfers for not just your program, but just any kind of strength program? Like what's the biggest like hurdle that people need to go through
1: just time times it man like that's the thing I hear the most is just time Um, and you know so you try to accommodate that and but people also need to have the understanding like how far how how bad is the issue right have you are you so deconditioned and overweight and have this laundry list of orthopedic injuries that you haven't dealt with for 15 years well 20 minutes a day for three weeks ain't going to sort it, you know? And so there does need to be this realistic approach of timeframes and efforts involved. But the biggest thing is like people complain they don't have time, which I understand. Like I'm not married. I don't have kids. You know, I, I lack a lot of general responsibilities that a lot of people do have. So, and again, that comes down to it. Like if somebody's got 30 minutes or 40 minutes, I just want to be able to, same with you and your programs. Like you want to make sure they're working on the most efficient things possible to have the biggest positive effect or influence. Yeah. That's hard.
0: That is so hard, uh, to, cause what you're, you have the, you have your app, you have like your online app and stuff. And then do you, you do mm-hmm. one-on-one stuff as well?
1: Yeah. So I predominantly work one on, I do one-on-one online with quite a few people. And then I, currently because of travel not but i generally have a full roster of clients one-on-one from tissue work to training or kind of rehab oriented stuff so with all the internet stuff and app stuff like it's really become a juggle of like you know the computer being in front of the computer eats my soul but it also lets me reach a lot of people and and so my bread and butter is the one-on-one stuff you know like in a gym in a treatment room like that's kind of what fulfills me. And so it's just trying to like figure out how to orchestrate all those into a feasible schedule.
0: Well, that's how, that's how you can really work with someone and and see them progress. I think the biggest challenge is, and and you've done a great job at at having variety in your program, but answering that question of how do you, how do you help these people you don't know that you're not working with, you don't know where they're starting at Mm. and you don't know how much time they have. Mm. Like, and you give them yeah. so much stuff. And it's like, well, dude, like, if you don't yeah. do any of it, you're going to fail. It's like, if they can do at least even yeah. a quarter of what you give them, they're going to do better than they yeah.
1: did previously. Yeah, so that's, that's, always that's what we've found with, with app stuff. And I'm sure the same with your program, because I've been through it, and it's incredible information. Thanks, man. And so it's one of those things, especially nowadays when people just have so so much a barrage of information. Yeah. It's like, how do we make this a workable process? And say, so essentially like you start one of my programs. Now the ones that are in the app, the bigger ones, it's like, here's this expansive volume of content. I will give you a schedule of how to do it. I will tell you how to acclimate this schedule to your life, but at the bare minimum, do this. Yeah. And try to at least point them to like, you know, the couple, the two or three habit changes they can make and start doing consistently. Um, and trying to like, you know, bare minimums, do this. If you got more time and more mental and physical capacity, then onboard more of it. But if you stick with this stuff for a minimum of Multiple weeks um, there'll be some physiologic change, but more so like you 're just trying to give somebody some information or a movement or a stretch or a concept that has some type of beneficial impact that they can then use for you know potential years to come so yeah. I think that 's the biggest thing you 're just trying to aim to do
0: yeah it 's like low hanging fruit, but also get them to the higher to higher levels you know that 's huge, so yeah. okay. So on the, on the topic of like limited time, and I'm going to put, I'm going to put you in a corner here on purpose, but mobility Mm -hmm. or strength. Like if I forced you to decide
1: between the two for surfing, what. Totally, totally depends who you're talking to. (laughs) So are you asking, are you asking me about, so I'm going to throw generic stereotypes. Are you asking me about a female Asian woman? She's mobile. Yeah. Generic stereotypically she's Asian. So we know from a generalization, Asians tend to be more mobile than your typical 50-year-old white male that's been at a desk. Yeah. And she's also a female. Females are genetically more mobile yeah. than men. Um, so that woman doesn't need to work on mobility. She just needs to get stronger very like, learn how to do a pull-up, a push-up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas 45 year old male who's been at a desk for the last 20 years, mobility through and yeah. through. But even with mobility, that's where like, I'm like, yeah, but mobility is strength training done well. Yeah. So, you know, it is depends on somebody's definition of it, but the mobility strength question, it's, it's legit but you, it's totally needs to be dependent upon who that person is. And they'll likely fall into generically one of those two categories. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: absolutely. Are you, uh, do you think body weight is enough for strength or
1: are you, you you gotta have some resistance? It depends what type of surfing you're trying to do. And if you're trying to come back from an injury, just because, so for example, myself rehabbing this neck injury, I happily surf solid six to eight indo surf, you know, the impacts that I'm dealing with and potential wipeouts and stuff are severe to the point that for me to accurately rehab my shoulder and neck, I'm going to need to do some type of resistance training yeah. just to reacclimate those tissues and my musculoskeletal system to withstand high impact forces. Yeah. If, you're a 55 year old guy who just wants to one foot long board. Oh, good. You probably don't need heavy resistance training. Right. It would help you from a health perspective, just for bone density profiles and lean muscle mass and what that does for health and longevity. But from a sport specific perspective, it, it depends what it is you're trying to get to and what your current kind of deficits are. Uh, I'm trying to do that without too much like nuance and variability
0: no yeah, totally no that sounds like it sounds accurate and and it got me thinking about um what kind of has inspired you. Do you draw from other sports other than, other than just tr- personal training yeah. stuff? what sports are there, do you usually visit
1: for well in terms of like training ideas like A lot of lower body work or plyometric work or agility work from soccer, just because it's so much, there's a lot of similarity in um, rotation of the body around a fixed femur, around a leg. Um, Swimming has been a high profile Olympic sport for a long, long, long time. So what those guys are often doing with shoulders is really relevant you know what i mean um so in terms of concepts and ideas or like research i'll usually pull largely from those two kind of areas in terms of sport wise and then um you know i swim uh, like i where i am currently like i try to get out and do some open water swimming at least once a week um i used to play soccer for years and years so i do draw on both of those just from like a conceptual thought process those are probably Oh, and calisthenics, you know, all the gymnast work that has become really kind of hit social media mainstream in terms of fitness the last couple of years. All the ring work and body weight stuff that you see from gymnasts is often really relevant towards us as surfers in terms of just shoulder health.
0: That's wild. Are you pumped on the Olympics? Do you watch other sports?
1: You know, I don't. I will watch just about any sport finals championship. Other than that, I, don't, I haven't followed organized sports for a long time. But, like, when the Super Bowl's on, I'll watch the Super Bowl. If the big rugby union final, grand final's on in Oz, I'll watch that. Like, I totally appreciate high levels of athleticism but i haven't it's been a long time since i've like rooted for a team in a sense but olympics yeah yeah i'll watch them like i've been actually watching a lot of the x games uh, recently just on youtube seeing what all the top skaters are doing recently that's pretty insane but yeah stoked on the olympics man absolutely stoked on it
0: do you think do you think uh high altitude training will become something that surfers do in the future i mean that the olympic training facilities in Colorado Springs for that reason, for many sports. Yeah. I, I don't like, what's your take on high altitude training for surfers specifically?
1: (laughs) I don't. So I guess it's dependent in, if we're talking about the Olympics, I guess you have to talk about what the venue is. Like, are you just like, like Slater's wave pool? Yes. It's, it's demanding from a cardiovascular perspective and just the duration of the ride, but they ain't paddling around. They're not duck diving eight foot sets. And like, you know, so it's not, it's would like the EPO red blood cell oxygen, you know, carrying capacity correlate to improve performance for surfers. And I would say probably like minuscule, Um, but for like, you know, cyclists and stuff. Yeah, right.
0: But you look at, we we got Japan this year, we have Chopu in four years that has a channel so again probably not super demanding and then probably lowers for the next olympics after that again not something that is going to be high demand it's not like (laughs) hasagor you know with, with no jet ski assist
1: yeah i think you know what i've had this conversation before like we're seeing so watch, look at like what Medina and Toledo can do at the wave pool, right? Like I find those two guys, a lot of people are like, oh, the wave pool stuff, it's boring. I think it's incredible to see highly technical surfing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, when you start – if we're looking at that type of high level, technical precision surfing and then Olympic level stuff, like look at what both Andino and John John are dealing with in terms of injuries at the moment, that stuff is going to become so much more prevalent in terms of their injury profiles. Cause the bigger they're trying to boost the bigger surf they're doing it in. Um, and so again, going back to like, what is rugby and soccer? What have these got? what have those, organizations learned in terms of training and rehab for ankle injury prevention, for ACL injury prevention, for all of those things. And so that's what I think will be kind of interesting when we start seeing more Olympic level surfing is like, where, where how much further can it go before fear of injury really puts a cap on what these pro level guys are willing to do in competition?
0: Yeah, Now that's an interesting question. I uh I got on this uh thought process where we were talking there for this for the normal guy, not the Olympian or not for the pro. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. like are you in terms of your programs do you like a level of effort as your metric, number of reps as your metric or like max weight as your metric or do all three of those achieve different things? I'm always, I've always been curious about it. All three. Yeah. All three will achieve totally
1: different things. Um, And so, this is actually an email I got a couple days ago. One of the programs has a hip hinge pattern. And so, you can either do a bodyweight hip hinge, you could do a kettlebell deadlift, or you could do a barbell deadlift. So, because it's a generalized program, which is the hardest thing to write, to write a generalized bell curve average program for the masses is really difficult because you're trying to do it logically and onboard such a wide spectrum of people and capacities and variabilities, you have to try to make it accessible to them. So this hip hinge pattern, he's like, so you say eight reps, what's that mean? So I send him a voice message, I'm like, look, you might not know how to do a hip hinge and you've never done one before. So that individual just needs to do eight to 10 reps of a bodyweight hip hinge, just to start learning the, the, the physical concept of it, and how to move their body physiologically into that position. Maybe the person I'm talking to is super familiar with deadlifts, and they can pile on uh, do a legitimate eight rep max effort deadlift, which, Physiologically is a very different muscular and nervous system stimulus than somebody just doing eight reps body weight. And so in the programs, there are max efforts, there's rep ranges given, there are times given, and each one of those does have some different physiologic stimulus. So, like I know in your program you have patterning drills. You wouldn't load a patterning drill necessarily until somebody has the pattern. Right. And then If you start loading that pattern, if I tell somebody to load it eight reps, heavy, okay, that's a very different physiologic stimulus than get on these paddle bands and go nonstop for five minutes, right? Very different in terms of energy expenditures, energy requirements, how the mitochondria are having to deal with that energy demand. And so, yeah, in the program, it's kind of dependent on what's the movement, what are we trying to accomplish, and then giving somebody kind of some entrance points on what to achieve. And then what I always say like via programs is always air on the side of caution. Like if you hurt yourself doing your sport, okay, you don't want to hurt yourself training. And so air on the side of caution, learn the movement, dial it in and only then start adding volume and intensity and trying to hit the reps or times that are given. Right.
0: Yeah. And speaking of uh, kind of crossing into paddling, I what like, Do you often hear, I need a different surfboard for more paddle power? (laughs) All the time, man. I need a hipto, I need a hipto crypto, man. I need a hipto
1: crypto for more. Nothing against hipto cryptos. They're great boards. They're super fun, but everybody's like, yeah, I need a different board. I need more volume under my chest. And then you watch them paddle and it's like, it's just like scarecrow flailing. Like there's no back endurance. There's no postural endurance. You're like, nah, you don't need more volume. You just need some basic fitness and paddle awareness. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's one of my pet peeves. And like, it's hard for me to not go off and be like, "Dude, you don't need more like foam. Like just, you know, get your technique down, get some general fitness Yeah, and you can still ride that low volume board that you've always wanted to ride if you're capable of that. Cause I've had, you know, some, yeah. it depends on the level, right? You might have someone that's beginner, intermediate and, you know, we're going to put some foam under them no matter what, just from a riding point of view. But I've had some sure. like, some surfers that come from, from the skateboarding background or snowboarding background or some sort of board sport where they, once they're on their feet, they're golden. They know how to move their body. They know how to yeah. move that board, but they can't go from prone to that point very easily. And so they mm. want something once they're at that point to uh they want a board that that is thinned out that's foiled out that they can move and that feels more like what they're used to yeah and so uh and those are the ones that i think i i'm i'm drawn to saying listen just do these fitness things do these technique things and you're good because we just need to get you to your feet good you know what i mean
1: that and then just just wave placement right like i'm sure you see it all the time is that people's astounding in, you know, I don't want to come off as sound like a dick about it, but an astounding inability to read waves, right? Yeah. If you can just, man, I get riled up about it, right? <laughs> like how many of the, the lower intermediate spectrum, right? So I, I strongly feel you can help teach reading waves, but in order to build the mental models, the visual understanding, it takes time. Yeah. actively observing waves in the ocean, right? And you can fast track it by giving somebody tips on what to look for in this and that, but it takes time to build those mental models. And so there's this intermediate spectrum that never invested time or didn't have the time. Maybe they've only been surfing for two years, right? And so they haven't built this ability to read waves. So they're never adjusting position. They're never moving towards the power zones or towards the takeoff spot. And so they're just trying to catch waves on flat dead spot shoulders. So they're flailing frantically, kicking frantically, paying no attention to anything. And then they just want more volume than their surfboard. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, you know, that's one I, I see it a lot, especially when we run trips in Indo is that the, there's a lot of inability, I just wish more surfers would take more of an effort of active observation when they're in the water and understand they really, if they can build a better visual representation and model in their head of waves and what is a good wave and how to intuit it, it would really speed up their efforts and then change the type of boards they can ride or paddle easily or catch waves easily
0: yeah yeah and they it's it's not it's not the equipment it's the operator in other words that's it man
1: that's
0: yeah. it, it is. <laughs> yeah and, and i fall prey to that too man i'm like from a writing point of view it's just like man i don't need that special board i just need to learn how to turn uh my body a certain way you know and
1: uh it's it it's wild turn the, the body you know? and One of the things like I've started saying a lot to clients is they can, you can only surf in a way that the wave allows. And so everybody's always like, oh, you know, how do I practice this turn or like what, like it only, again, going back to reading waves, what does this wave look like in front of me? What are the curvatures? What do I recognize? Can I now react to that wave in an efficient way? And so again, it's coming back to like, surfing in the way the wave is asking for and using the equipment that will allow you to surf in that way most efficiently. And it comes back to perceiving and recognition of what's in front of me and then reacting, moving the body efficiently to whatever I'm seeing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's funny you mentioned your surf trips cause I had a question about that. Like when you go on your surf trips with clients, Hmm. do you train with them like on the boat are they like hanging off the side of the boat doing pull ups like like there's those boats are tiny man like how do you like are you training leading up to it like what's how does that all work
1: i'll give them on the trips no training like all we're doing is surfing and recovery stuff that's That's it man like we'll do breath work and stuff like that but like No training. Um, But prior to trips, yeah, like we'll have kind of some surf trip preparatory recommendations because everybody's capacity is different and like their ability to surf or how often they can surf. So there's some guidelines because, you know, so we've been doing trips now five years and they're usually the least is a 10 day. So they're usually 10 to 12 day. And a lot of the guys like, well, it's a lot of surfing, man. And so um a lot you know we have really realistic talks with them like around day depending on the person around day five six you're going to start getting fatigued if you've had a shoulder issue for the last 10 years it's going to start creeping back like because you're suddenly you're running your marathon like you haven't surfed with this much volume Ever and so now, you, so I think some preparation, some fitness, some building up, some surfing, a lot of paddling volume is super helpful to get on a trip. So you can just surf and then try not to drink too much beer, just to you know inflame the system and, and stretch. Try to recover. Yeah, that's huge.
0: Uh, I I remember you doing some proprioceptive training. Um, mm. Right, the you know basically. Being able to walk without looking at your feet, that sort of thing, for the listeners that don't know what that is. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, 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 like, that's got to be, that's so important for surfing. There's, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, dude. Half of our maneuvers, we're not looking where we're going, right? (laughs) Or we're looking at... Like your board's up there and you're looking down there. Like total body separation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, can you maybe talk to the importance of that in surfing and why you incorporated that in your your stuff?
1: (laughs) So the, the whole kinesthetic awareness, right? So surfing is... Surfing well, right, is three dimensional and very often you could consider it off balance. So think pro level surfing man of what I always think back to is Andy Irons part from trilogy when I think he's in Mexico and he's doing these like vertical boom fins out falling back. So he is basically unweighted, like centrifugal unweighting forces the entire time Mm -hmm. with legs up here, head up, like looking the other direction. So that is incredible amounts of kinesthetic awareness. And then just like you said, proprioception or his ability to sense himself in space and through the feet to like they're reacting to forces that are changing so much and so fast and at his level with a lot of intensity. So his brain, the proprioceptive awareness of his feet and how he's maintaining himself over his feet and his vestibular system. Like that's incredible. The human body is even capable of that stuff. It's incredible. And so you take, let's speak again, like bell curves. We've got, I'll always like go back to desk worker, right? So we've got a guy that has been at a desk for the last 20 years and all he's done for fitness is running. So he's sat at a desk. So I'm speaking like sagittal plane, right? And then he just runs for fitness. He never moves out of this sagittal straightforward plane. And then he wants to start surfing rotationally and three dimensionally and upside down. And like, so he, kinesthetically he doesn't have any of that awareness right Right. so like at the very first like low level you got to like get your feet working again so train barefoot walk in sand like so many people can barely even stand on a skateboard let alone like they want to surf now mind you on a moving surfboard it's fairly stable but If you start doing tricks and you're landing floaters or whatever else, there's a lot of instability. Mm -hmm. So an easy one, all surfers should be able to slackline. All humans, if everybody was able to slackline, I've gone on this tangent before. So like, I think above 60 or 70 or whatever, falls are correlated or associated with one of the major leading causes of death. Because if you fall, you break a hip you go into the hospital infection from surgery or who there's complications at that age with major surgeries. Yeah. If everybody could slackline, you wouldn't be falling and breaking hips. Right. So average surfer being able to control their foot on top of the slackline, center of mass over an unstable surface, not needing to look, man, that lights up brain centers and the coordination of you being able to control yourself over your foot and how fast your nervous system can essentially relay information from the foot, up the spinal cord, back down, et cetera.
0: Yeah, man, that, that is a great example. My next question was going to be like, we're on water. And you can't – like how do yeah. you train something that's on water but on land? Slackline's a great tool for that. That's amazing. 100%. Yeah. yeah that's phenomenal. And I,
1: I really strongly feel – so in the strength and conditioning world, they're always like unstable so – there's this big – Anti unstable surface training, which in some regards I totally agree with. Right. But in other regards, just being able to for a surfer being able to maintain center of mass over an unstable surface and increase the capacity of the nervous system and it's firing rate and reaction to that I think is super beneficial. 100% 100% so slack lines I'm all for if I've got higher level guys and we've gotten there safely and progressively and they've got strength and they've got power balance on top of Swiss balls 100% body weight squats on top of a Swiss ball that's not going to suddenly catapult your surfing but what it's doing is challenging your nervous system and your ability to control yourself in space mm-hmm. and then we'll do squats for strength or something else for power and speed development but there's a big space for I think smartly used unstable surface training and for sure everybody get a slack line your kids will be way better at it than you but it's a it's a fun <laughs> it's a fun way to do some if, and then, you know it's cool have you, are you can you slack line i have tried it i
0: need to get uh something i can tie it to uh, in the backyard i have i have no trees yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that would be but it's, it's a cool thing i remember when i first started doing it and it's a cool Thing like if you think back to when you're a kid and the first time you actually hit the glide on a bicycle with no training wheels, and you yeah. it goes, I got it, that's what this is supposed to feel like, even if it only lasted like three seconds, and then you eat it. Same thing on a slack line, it's it's wild if you think of it from like a neurologic perspective. That when you're starting to get it, you'll feel your brain suddenly go, I got it, even if it's like three or four seconds, and then you lose it, and then you're like. You can literally like see and feel your brain and nervous system being like, oh, I'm learning it. This is it. And so I think as an adult, we don't have a lot of opportunities like that anymore to learn stuff like that, especially physically. Yeah. So I think it's epic, man. I challenge everybody, start doing some slacklining.
0: Well, and I and I love the the idea of the, the foot being the connector because that's what it is for surfing. And and just recently I, I'm I'm in this kick of ripping off the tail pads on all my boards. And I found that I can mm. feel the water underneath my feet a lot better now when I don't wear booties. And when I wear booties, there's only one layer in between me and the board and the water. And, and I, had a, I had a client the other day. Makes sense. <laughs> I told her to go get a surf mat because they're just fun. And she's like, it was so much fun riding on this mat. And she said, I was... Looking at the wave completely differently and I was connected to it and I could feel different parts of it. And I'm sitting there going, well, there you go. The board's like in mm-hmm. the way, like go body surf, go boogie board. Right. Yep. You know, and you're going to learn like you going back to what you were saying before, you're going to learn so much about the wave and that database in your brain is going to fill up a lot faster.
1: Yeah. That is what's missing with this entire surge of new surfers. How did you grow up surfing and me? Swimming, body surfing, surfing, bodyboarding, on a boogie board. We have all this interactive experience of learning how to feel the energy, where to put ourselves in the energy, what it feels like. So like somebody wrote me the other day, like how do I know when to pop up? I'm like, okay, totally fine (laughs) question. I'm not being disgruntled. I'm not being disgruntled at the question, but that what that shows is that there is such a lack of being able to feel the wave to actually feel the energy yeah. right so I'm like you pop up when you feel the glide and he's like what's that I'm like oh, okay you need to go body surf you yeah. need to go boogie board you need to just figure out what it feels like to interact with this energy so I think that is again going back to like ocean awareness being able to read but just the simplicity of being able to feel yeah I think that's another kind of necessary stepping stone. And a lot of these, you know, come to surfing as an adult thing. They're kind of missing out on that.
0: Yeah. How funny would it be if we had the right to just all, all of a sudden we see someone in the lineup and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, give me your board. You know, that's it. You're done. You you just get the body surf the rest of the time.
1: (laughs) Give me that. Here's a pink boogie board. Nothing against boogie boarding. It's absolutely incredible. But just like the image it. of like this I grown man it. getting his surfboard yanked away and having to yeah. surf on a pink boogie board. Yep. It would catapult their surfing. But everybody's would. like, oh, we I would wanna, be doing them you know, a favor. They would. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. We yeah. scored, scored Greenbush about a year ago or two years ago when the world could still travel. And there were guys that, if they would have just sucked it up, and gotten on a boogie board, they would have gotten more pitted more than they could even conceptualize. But they would have un, they would have learned yeah. how to actually get barreled yeah. because it's forcing them to interact with energy in a different position in a different way.
0: Yeah, yeah. My my kids are like, Daddy, I want to go surfing. I'm like, We're going boogie board. Like, I, like you're not skipping steps. Kids. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. Yeah, it, it's it's wild, but it's humbling. Uh, someone needs to be humble and uh, they need to not feel like surfing is something that they're doing to be cool. They need to yeah. really, if they understand that that those little steps backwards are going to uh, send them 10 steps forward, then they're, sure. they're going to surf for the rest of their life. You know, no matter how late they yeah. start, you know, so that's cool man. there's
1: such a weird ego trip around surfing man such a weird ego trip like need to fit in need to look cool don't fall don't be a kook don't get embarrassed that shit needs to go like it yeah. just needs to go back to like because kids kids don't care they're just having yeah. fun they're falling they're like that's what it needs to go back to yeah it People would need to learn help how to play. i bet I, I struggle with that yeah, yeah exactly yeah. absolutely right
0: yeah and i'm the same way i i'm I'll, I'll revert back, but then I'll just, I'll snap myself. It's like a reminder, like, dude, mm-hmm. you, nobody's watching you to, to learn from, from me, you know, like they're, they're not watching my surfing. Yeah. Wow. guy's yeah. that, amazing. They're concerned about their own surfing. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. So funny. <laughs> that's yeah. it, man. Ego's on trial. It's funny. Cause like over the last couple of years, I get, I get recognized in the surf, you know, more fairly frequently nowadays, which embarrasses the shit out of me. Like I've never wanted to be like an influencer, but it's weird this like self pressure now that I put on myself of like, you're a surf strength coach. You need to surf at a certain level. Mm. Like, (laughs) And so it's always made me think of like, man, competitive surfing, I would just melt down. Like I wouldn't be able to handle the pressures of like competitive surfing, let alone my own self pressures of like some dude might recognize me from some stretch video. So therefore I have to think that I need to surface or it's funny. It's hilarious, man. It's hilarious what our egos will do to ourselves.
0: Oh man, I've had that too. But the the wonderful thing about what I do is I paddle, you know, (laughs) it's like, Hey, I paddle well. I don't serve well, so it's all good, guys. Like, <laughs> mm. I stay in my lane. Mm. But mm. Uh, I, I, I told Clayton, yeah. And yeah. I tell all these guys, and even you as well. You guys have much harder jobs than I do because one, you, the waves change all the time, and so what you need to teach people how they move, where they need to strengthen their body, it's different, and it's it's case by case, as you mentioned earlier, uh, what Clayton mm. does and what other surf coaches do they're like, Oh yeah, we want you to work on this movement, but guess what? You only get it once every hundred tries. Like you only get one attempt out of every hundred, you know? And whereas I just stick them in the pool and make them do reps over and over again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I applaud what you do, man. And I'm stoked that I, I'm, I, I'm stoked you just keep evolving it and that you're still around. And I I want oh, thank to, you, man. This is my goal one day. My my goal one day is for us to like team up and just and just take a group of people and like just work with them for like a week and just see see how far maybe next year, dude. Yeah.
1: Maybe so. even next year. I'm tentatively looking we've got potential Central America trips, but then if that happens for us, I want to like do some Mexico, maybe Panama. I'll probably come to El Salvador. I'll come to Southern California. Yeah. Let's aim to do it like next year. Depending on. Dude, don't be like Clayton.
0: I'm going to give Clayton shit right now because he came through the West coast of the States and he didn't stop by. And I'm hurt by that. I'm personally hurt by that. (laughs) So if you're ever in the area, you already know.
1: I, I, Adore Clayton. He and I have worked together for a long time. I don't know how his wife is able to keep him orchestrated and scheduled. (laughs) Like it can be, it can be a difficult, I'm like, yo, Clayton, you need to be in Jakarta and then Padang on this date and this time. And then he'll message me three days prior to the date. And he's like, where are you guys? I'm like, man, we're not supposed to be in Padung for like another 72 no hours, dude. And he's like, "Oh, I'm here. It happens. It totally happens. And when, <laughs> what a, a tangential thought, when you were talking about surf coaches and, and, you know, trying with Surf coaching, what I had found, right? Because I came only over to surf coaching from being a trainer coach. Like, I didn't, there wasn't ever necessarily an intent to actually start coaching technique stuff, but it's evolved over the last couple of years. What I really took from Clay and Twiggy and the various other surf coaches I've worked with is that you have to personally, as a coach, be okay with and let the person know to not have huge expectations over one night or one session or one surf surf coaching is if you're with a higher level person one quick thing can make a huge change because they've got such a higher level of skill and wave recognition they can think about subtlety and nuances of surfing when they're in the midst of surfing because you get a lot of lesser capable surfers you're just trying to instill the basics. And maybe in their hour surf, they get two tries for a total of eight seconds to make it stick. So me as a coach, I've always like, you know, in the gym or pain, like you want to have like, have people feel or see these big dramatic changes at times in surf coaching, it usually can't happen like that. And so it is being okay with more of a gradual process and trying to influence their understanding and their awareness of things and let them know, like, this is going to take time. And like, not only that, you're trying to change a technique, but you're trying to do it in an environment that is stressing you out. And so suddenly you're on like a wave that's maybe too big or there's too many people. And you're trying to think about hand placement, this and that, and it becomes a, it's, it's a difficult thing to potentially have. You know big changes really quickly
0: yeah but that's also the draw for i think for all of us is the challenge of surfing is that mm. we can spend our whole lifetime which we have and we're making these small incremental gains towards our, yeah. our goal no that's Let's awesome man hey dude thank you i want to be Jeez. respectful of your time I, i'm dude i'm so stoked we got to do this finally yeah it's um, good man we uh, we have to make this happen. We'll properly link up. Yeah, sooner than later and properly link up in person. So in the next year, mm, that's my goal, man. Chris, for sure. Cool. No, awesome. I appreciate it, man.
1: Absolutely stoked. Um, always happy to rant, dude. All have, like you said, man, with the start of it, like I first started watching some of your YouTube videos, like it was probably eight, nine plus years ago something uh, like same that for like me. the yeah, first like ones decade. man yeah
0: it was right around then
1: <laughs> isn't it crazy what surf coaching and surf information and aspects of surf coaching has become in terms of social media even in like the last three years yeah well, like you're, you're it's exploded man oh
0: my gosh like uh, it's incredible <sighs> since those early days early days it was just youtube yeah you know it was, it was simple yeah but you're much better at the social media thing. I'm, I'm way behind the ball and all that. <laughs> oh.
1: Dude, I dropped the ball. Like we like, you know, my business partner meeting kind of thing. I'm like, we got to find a way to do social media. Cause like personally, <clears throat> personally, like I don't mind it, but I really, I'm just not, I'm just not, I wouldn't have social media if it wasn't for the surf strength coach thing. You know, so it's like I'm trying to figure way. out a way of like, yeah how to do it and how to post and how to play the game, but still do it in a way that, you know, I'm okay with.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's good. You do it genuine and it's it's uh I'm impressed. Yeah. But anyway, thank you so much, Chris. Uh and we'll uh we'll let's try try and catch uh catch each other in a few months or so. Catch up. Yeah. Absolutely man. More than happy to cheers. Cool. Thank you, bud.